Good morning, NBC Loudon. It's good to see everybody. Uh, when Pastor David uh, shared with me that I'd be preaching on Labor Day weekend, I felt like there'd be about six of us jam-packed in here for the Labor Day weekend, and it's good to see so many of you here together to worship uh, the Lord and uh, to, to sit under the preaching of God's Word. So if you have a Bible, I want to ask you to turn with me to Romans chapter 8, and as you're turning there, I just want to point out a few unique aspects of today's worship gathering. Uh, first off, most Sundays here at NBC Loudon, the preaching of God's Word uh, comes from uh, a live feed from our Tyson's location where one of our lead pastors, David Platt or Mike Kelsey, preaches the word to all five of our NBC locations. However, today I have the awesome privilege of preaching God's word to our NBC Loudon church family. It's something I always look forward to and I'm so excited uh, for, this, uh, for this day and look forward to this particular passage. Uh, just a heads up for all of us, uh, next week Pastor David will be preaching uh, back live uh, from our Tyson's location and it's going to be a big Sunday in the life and times of our church. Um, we're going to be stepping into what we've been calling the new chapter here at NBC. And uh, so I just want to encourage each of you to make every effort to be here next Sunday, to bring someone with you that you know needs to be connected to God's love and uh, God's mercy and God's people. Uh, so look forward to seeing you uh, back next week as we step into the new chapter here at NBC Loudon. The second unique aspect of our gathering today is uh, the reality that uh, we are giving our amazing Kids Quest workers a Sunday off, as Jess has already mentioned, which means that we have more kids uh, in this gathering. So each of our Sunday worship gatherings, just a heads up, is a family-friendly worship gathering, okay? So this isn't just where all the adults hang out on Sundays. This is actually, we love having all the generations represented in the worship of our God. And so, but today, because of the fact that our Kids Quest uh, ministry has taken a Sunday off, we have more kids with us in here, and we are so excited to have you with us. Thank you so much for being a part of this worship gathering, kids. It was great having uh, a team of uh, people leading us to worship, several uh, within our student ministry. Uh, a couple of the violinists, we were, they were uh, practicing this morning, and I walked up to one of them, and I said, hey, listen, if, if you struggle and you need to call me in from the bullpit to play, bullpen to play a little bit of the violin, just just give me the nod, and she started laughing at me, and uh, I was like, you don't think I play the violin, do you? And she said, no, I don't, so I'm not sure what, what made her think that, but uh, there was that, uh, so we're really excited uh, for this day to have all of the, uh, the church family represented in the worship of our God. Um, so with that said, each of us face a reality today, no matter what stage of life you're in, no matter what age you are, all, each of us faces a reality in life, and here it is, this is the reality, that life doesn't go according to our plans, okay? Now, that might have just landed some different ways, but this is the reality that we're all facing today. No matter what age you are, what stage of life you're in, life doesn't go according to our own plans. Um, and the adults in the room said amen. The kids are like, that doesn't make sense to me, but this is the reality. Life doesn't go according to our plan, um, and that's just, that's just where we are. That's how life is in this Broken, fallen world. You know, it's a new school year for you kids, right? Uh, how many kids started a new school year past week, past couple of weeks? Raise a hand. This is the audience participation point. There you go. All right, we're, we're working into it. So, uh, so could I just keep it, could I keep it 100% honest with you guys, just be a little bit vulnerable? We're just a few days into this new school year, and at our house, it's already not going as planned. Uh, 
So one of my sons, uh, he was really looking forward to a new school year and anxiously awaiting uh, to see who his teacher was because he wanted, specifically wanted this one teacher, and he wanted a classroom full of his friends. Any, any kids, you, you feeling this right now, like you wanted, you had a teacher, you had it kind of zeroed in, you wanted this teacher in just a classroom full of friends. Well, the first day we showed up and we saw his classroom assignment, and he realized he didn't get the teacher that he was hoping for. And then he looked through the classroom uh, list, and there was not a single one of his friends from last year were in his class this year. And, and it, it was reality for him that life doesn't go according to our plans. It just doesn't. Um, and it was, it was difficult. You know, this is Labor Day weekend. Labor Day weekend marks the end of a summer. And uh, this summer, Brooke and I had big plans. My wife, Brooke, and I, we had big plans uh, to begin the summer. Um, and we realized that we had been through a challenging season in life and ministry and 2020 was, was really challenging, the first half of 2021, so we planned to really dial it back this summer, slow down a little bit. Uh, we were going to get COVID kind of behind us and moving forward, you know, into the new year, and we planned to take a big vacation and just rest and relax, and it just didn't turn out that way, okay? And about halfway through the summer, I look up, and I had two spots on my, on my wrist, and I thought it was poison ivy, and so... Uh, it just didn't go away, so I called my doctor, and I said, hey, listen, there's these spots, and he looked at me and said, hey, you, you actually have shingles, and I was like, whoa, and uh, he said, I have a prescription for you, and it's two weeks vacation, uh, and I was like, well, that's not going to happen, doc, uh, I don't have time for that, so, um, and here we are, the summer's gone, the summer's over, right, we're moving into the fall, and the plan didn't go as we had thought. The COVID is not in our rearview mirror, and COVID in a lot of ways is right before us. Uh, we're stepping into the fall and not necessarily having the rest and the reprieve that we were hoping for this summer, and that's just the reality. Life does not go according to our plans, and, and this, is, uh, this is important for us as we remember this going into a new season at McLean Bible Church, a new season of ministry where we have some really good plans in place. We have plans to connect many people to community that's caring for one another like family and growing together in Christ and on mission, making disciples together. But if we were honest with one another, the Sunday before we step into the new chapter NBC, the reality is, is more than likely uh, what we have planned will not go exactly according to plan. And, and this, is, this is the reality, Wherever, whether you're young or old, whether you're married or single, whatever stage you are in, uh, where whatever you're going through, uh, our plans usually don't come out as we had hoped. And that's where I want to preach Romans chapter 8 today. I want to draw our attention to God's word in Romans chapter 8 because I believe that this has a needed word of encouragement for every single one of us. No matter where we find ourselves, no matter what age or stage of life, this, this passage of scripture has an incredible uh, encouraging word to us to endure in Christ no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in. James Montgomery Boyce, he says this passage in Romans chapter 8 is the mountaintop paragraph. It is the Everest of the letter and thus the highest peak in the highest Himalayan range of Scripture. And so the reason he says this, the reason he says this of this chapter, of this passage, is because it is so all-encompassing so all-encompassing that it promises to serve us and help us in virtually every circumstance we might find ourselves in. 
So there's not one person in here today, not one person in here that's going to find this passage to be irrelevant for their current situation. This passage is all-encompassing for us. So what I want to do is I want to read verses 28 through 39, and specifically we're going to be looking at verses 31 through 39, but I want to give us a little bit of context beginning with, with verse 28, and I'm going to read through the end of the chapter. This is what God's Word says. It says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who is raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake we are being killed all the day long we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we come before you and we submit our lives to your word, we pray that you would open our eyes to see glorious truths. And for those of us who we come in here apathetic or our hearts are dull, to the things that you want to communicate to us. Would you enliven our hearts? Would you revive us in this moment so that we could see things clearly? And Lord, that we would see you and we'd see these amazing things that you have done for us and our lives would be brought into, um, into consistent living in light of these realities. We love you. We thank you for your word. And so be with us now as I preach the word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today, I believe what God has for us in his word in, in Romans chapter 8 is, I believe he wants to remind us, and for some of us, he wants to reveal to us an unshakable confidence in Christ, an unshakable confidence in Christ, where we can continue on when life doesn't go according to our plan. This is what I believe Romans chapter 8 has for us, this is showing us this unshakable confidence in Christ where we can continue on when life doesn't go according to our plan. So what is the Apostle Paul writing here in Romans chapter 8? Well, the first thing you need to understand is that he's, he's coming to a kind of a bookend of a major section of the letter of Romans. A bookend of the major section. That major section is between chapters 5 and chapters 8. Uh, where this part of Romans is speaking of our hope that we have in Christ as a result of receiving Christ's perfect righteousness through faith. 
That's what Paul's doing. He's coming to the end of this section. It started the section. He says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. That's how he started this section. And he's finishing this, concluding this section with this joyful explanation of our security in Christ. Here's, here's the good news. Christ guarantees that we have this unshakable confidence in him no matter the circumstance we find ourselves in based solely on who God is and what he has done for us. This is the reality for us. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily guarantee that the journey with him is going to be marked with ease and comfort, but he does promise that there's going to be this unshakable foundation for the Christian. In fact, it's earlier in this chapter in verse 18, Paul says this. He says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy uh, or not worth comparing to what the glory that is to be revealed in us. So the apostle Paul here is even assuming that there's going to be difficulty, there's going to be hardship, that there's going to be suffering in this life of following Jesus. And this is what he's speaking to in Romans chapter 8. So do we as God's people have an unshakably secure foundation? Yes. We just read that in verses 29 and 30. We read that our salvation is secure. And so kids, you heard these big theological words, like he foreknew us, he predestined us, he called us, he justified. And, and some of you kids are like, man, those are some big $10 theological words. Let me break it down into uh, the simple terms. Here's, here's what, that, what that verse is telling us. That God in his grace and his kindness is working to save us completely to himself. That despite our circumstances, in fact, even in our circumstances, that God is working to save us completely unto himself. And he's using each and every circumstance that we find ourselves in as a follower of Jesus to prepare us for eternity with him. And so Paul asked the question in verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? What shall we say to these things? And what he says in light of these things is breathtaking. And I want to show you today five truths for God's people that give us an unshakable confidence no matter what we face in this world. And we see the first one there is a question that Paul poses in verse 31. He says this, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, if you just ask the question, who can be against us, we can start, we can get a whiteboard out and start listing them all out. Can we not? There's a lot of things, a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of realities that can be against us. Scripture actually teaches us that the world is against us. Jesus said in John chapter 15, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Do you get that? So who, who can be against us? Well, the world is against us. What about our flesh? What about our flesh? In Romans chapter 7, previous chapter, Paul writes, he says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Your flesh is against you. And, it's, and, it's, and you can't escape its influence in this life. What about Satan and all his demonic forces? 1 Peter 5.8 describes Satan as a roaring lion, seeking, uh, looking for someone to devour. 
So even thinking about those great enemies that we have, but when you put it up next to the statement, next to the statement that God is for us, then you start seeing that nothing can truly be against us. All of these enemies, when you put it together with the statement, God is for us, here is the reality. Because God is our sovereign protector, all of our enemies will fail. All of our enemies will fail. If God is for us, then nothing can successfully oppose us. So teenager, listen to me. This is, this is good news. Because what it's saying to you at a young age is that when you turn from your sin and self and you trust in Christ, the God of the universe is now for you. He's for you. And the God of the universe is, is aiming and leveraging all of his being for your good and for his glory. That's what A.W. Tozer says. I love this quote. He says, with the goodness of God to desire our highest welfare and the wisdom of God to plan it and the power of God to achieve it, what do we lack? I mean, what do we lack, brother and sister in Christ? When we're in Christ and God is for us, the goodness of God is desiring our highest welfare. The wisdom of God is there to plan it. And the power of God is there to achieve it. We lack nothing. The God of the, the universe, the one who spoke it into existence, the one who holds every square inch in his hands, that one who is all powerful and all loving and all merciful, that God is for you when you're in Christ Jesus. He's for you. And that's incredibly good news. That's an unshakable confidence that we can have no matter what happens in this life. And Paul continues on. He says in verse 32, he says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Now that is an incredible verse. That verse right there is something we should hide in our hearts and bring out each time we're faced with difficult circumstances. That God didn't spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And here's the second rock solid truth for us today. Because God is our supreme provider, all of our needs will be met. Every single one of your needs are going to be met. Now, this is interesting logic that the Apostle Paul is using here. He's, he says, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. This is the greatest thing that God could have given you. Now, some of you kids are sitting there thinking, like, I, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I, I can think of, like, a new a new PS5, I can think of a new Xbox, I like a four-wheeler, like something I can play with this afternoon. You're talking about somebody who lived 2,000 years ago. I can't even see him, touch him. He's the greatest thing God could have given me. Hear me out, okay? Jesus is the most precious and valuable and glorious gift that God could have given you. Because he gave him over to death, listen, your rebellion could be paid in full. That's great news. More important than any gift this world could give you, God gave you the greatest gift, Jesus. And he gave you this gift of Jesus that gave him over to death so that our rebellion could be paid in full, so that we could be rescued from the judgment that is due our sins. That's what Paul says here. Paul starts with the gospel. God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. 
God gave his son for us sinners. That's the central truth claim of Christianity. This is what we believe in order to be saved, is it not? And this is what so many in our world today have still yet to hear. He's still yet to hear. Even as we study this passage and we gather for worship in this room, and we see these amazing blessings that God has for his people to help us endure hardship and suffering and pain, let's not forget that many people in this world have never had the opportunity to hear God didn't spare his own son. God sent his son so that he could pay the full price that was due your sin. And you can be made right with him. He can take away the judgment that's due your sin. It was about 10 years ago I found myself in China. I was in a short t- on a short-term t- short team uh, there in Shanghai, China, and I befriended a college student um, in, on one of the university campuses. And we began to share our stories and uh, began to kind of share the different cultural realities that we both came from. And towards the end of my time there, I invited him to, uh, to go get a cup of coffee uh, because I wanted to share with him one of the most important things that I had ever heard in my life and so he said, I would love to sit down and, and hear this. Uh, so we sat down and I lit, opened up my Bible and I began to walk with him uh, through scripture what the good news of Jesus Christ was. And I began to share with him that there's one true God. There's just one God. He's the creator over all. He's holy. He's our judge that one day I said, Gong Yi, you're going to stand before this God. You're going to stand before this God. And this is a, should be a terrifying reality because we have all sinned. We've rebelled against this God, and we're separated from him. But I told him, I said this, and I used this verse, God did not spare his own son. God didn't spare his own son. This this son of God came, and he lived a perfect life, and he died a sacrificial death. He gloriously rose from the grave, and this now requires a personal response from you, and so I invited him to trust in Jesus. And I'll never forget, it was the first time this had ever happened to me in my life. I looked at him, I said, have you ever heard this before? And he shook his head and he said, I've never heard this. I've, I've heard about Jesus in a history book in school, but I've never heard what you're telling me right now. And this is what he said. He said, I want to learn more. I want to learn more, but I'm, I'm having a hard time believing this is true because I've never even heard it. And this is the reality that many in our world live in. As you listen through the news cycle, And you hear about the the country of Afghanistan and the incredible suffering that these people are going through. Understand that 99.9% of Afghanis, Afghanis have not heard the gospel, have not had the opportunity to respond to this great news. That God didn't spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all. And so as we're sitting here talking about this unshakable confidence in Christ... We need to be reminded of how many have still yet to hear this good news. So Paul starts with the gospel. And Paul reasons from the gospel to the goodness of God for his people. And he says, not only will he supply our ultimate need, which is Jesus, he says, but he will only bring into our lives the things that are for our good. That's what he says. I love this, the conclusion of this verse. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things. So let me say this again. Not only will God supply our ultimate needs, but he will only bring into our lives the things that are for our good. 
for some of you, this is really good news. You hear me say this. You read this verse. It's like, this is great news. For some of you, this is confusing news. Because you've gone through some significant pain, even trauma in this life. You're going through hardship right now and suffering, and things are not going the way that you would desire for them to go. It's not going according to your plan. And you're like, if God's only bringing good things into my life, he's only given us, he's going to graciously give me all things, then why didn't I get the teacher I wanted in school? Why didn't I at least get a friend in my classroom, right? Why, did, why am I getting testing positive for COVID? How did I hear another, another doctor's visit that said the cancer is back and worse? If God's only bringing good things into our life, then how does this mesh with my current circumstances? And there's no easy answer here, but I want to encourage us with the reality that as Christ followers, as followers of Jesus, we are challenged to look to the cross, to look to the cross. If you want to know if God can be trusted to provide all that you need in this life and in the next, then look to the cross. I love how one author accurately said the cross displays God's generosity. Is that not good? It displays God's generosity. And here's the undeniable reality of Romans chapter 8. For us today, if we can trust God with the greater, our need for provision of sin, then we can trust God with the lesser, what we need to persevere in our suffering. Tracking? If we can trust God with the greater, which is a provision for sin and our rebellion and our shortcomings, then we can trust him with the lesser, which is what we need to persevere in suffering because God supplies all we need in Christ Jesus. J.I. Packer, in his excellent book, Knowing God, was speaking of this passage of Scripture, and I have the uh, quote coming up here on the screen. This is, this is what J.I. Packer says. He says, Paul is telling us that there is no ultimate loss or irreparable impoverishment to be feared. If God denies us something, it is only in order to make room for the other things he had in mind. The meaning of his will gives us all things, he will give us all things, can be put thus. One day we shall see that nothing, literally nothing, which God could have given to increase our eternal happiness has been denied us. And nothing literally nothing that could have been reduced that happened uh, reduced that happiness has been left with us what higher assurance do we want than that did you hear that one day when we see things as they truly are we will realize god did not withhold anything in our life for our eternal happiness he didn't withhold anything from our life and he didn't allow anything into our life that did not prepare us for that eternal happiness. This is who God is. He's our supreme provider. And if that wasn't enough, God, Paul continues on in verse 33. This is what he says. He says, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. I love that. So, Kids, we're going to have a little time of confession here, okay? Mom and dad are here. Just work with me. Has any child ever been called to the principal's office? Just raise a hand. Uh, anybody? Okay, we got one over here that's really proud of it. Uh, anybody else? 
if we got a few, okay, we got a few. Uh, a few of you are not being honest, okay? It's, uh, here's the reality, okay? I was, you know, we got a few parents that are even raising their hand right now, okay? Uh, I remember in first grade, my teacher stepped out of the classroom and she said, nobody misbehave. As soon as that door closed, I started misbehaving. And she came in back in and she said, you just got a one-way ticket to the principal's office. And I walked back in and now kids, listen, you think you're getting mistreated in these days. Let me tell you what happened when we showed up to the principal's office in my day, okay? There was this big, massive wooden paddle on the principal's uh, desk, okay? And it had holes in the paddle to make sure there was no wind resistance before it landed on your backside, okay? And so this is, this is the reality. This is kind of the picture that Paul is giving us that we're there in the principal's office. We have messed up. We have royally messed it up. And Paul is asking the question, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? And, and this is, in all seriousness, incredibly important to stop and ask. Because the reality is, is every single one of us, one day when this life comes to an end, will be summoned before the judge of the universe. And the question is asked, who can bring a charge against any of us? And in light of the fact that this life is temporary and it's fleeting and it's fragile, there could not be a more important question for us to consider. And the terrifying reality is that when we stand before this judge of the universe, that one sin is an infinite offense to this infinitely holy God. And one sin committed to this infinitely holy God, deserves an infinite price to be paid. And this is a terrifying thought to stand before the God of the universe. And the question is, who can bring a charge? And brothers and sisters, when we stop and think about just this past week, just this past week, your thoughts, your actions, your words, your apathy towards the things of God, when we stop and think about it, this is a terrifying reality, and Paul takes us there. Paul takes us to that moment and says, is there anyone at any time, at any place that can bring a charge against you? And I love the answer. God is the one who justifies. God is the one who justifies. Not one of us will stand before God and say, God, look what I did. Look how I cleaned it up enough. Look at how I figured this thing out. No, we will stand before, and if God does not judge us, he will look at us and say, you know what? You are justified because of what Christ has done on the cross for you. And this is a big theological word, justification, which means that he's removed your rebellion, but just not removed the rebellion. He's also imparted Christ's righteousness so that when the king of the universe looks at you on that day, if you're in Christ, he no longer sees your sin. He sees the perfect righteousness of his son. That's incredible news to be declared not only guiltless, but perfectly righteous. And Paul keeps going. Is that not just enough? Like we could stop right there and just worship for the next few hours. But he keeps going in verse 34. This is what he says. Who is to condemn? Who's to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand 
of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Paul asks, who or what can condemn us? And his answer is simply that God completely saves us in Christ. If God accomplished our salvation for us, that Christ died for us, that he was raised from the dead for us, that he ascended to heaven, and now he's interceding for us, is this not incredible news? Like right now that Christ is interceding on behalf of us. I woke up this morning and, man, just was having a hard time because I was just sensing the enemy was just attacking me and just feeding me these lies and accusing me of these things. And I had to open up Romans chapter 8 and just remind myself of these truths. Who is to condemn? Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. He's the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Listen, here's the reality. Here's the reality. God accomplished our salvation for us. And because of God's saving work in Christ for us, we will never be condemned. Is that not beautiful news? Unshakable confidence in Christ. Whatever you face this week, whatever twist or turn this life takes this week, hear me say this. Because of God's saving work for us, we will never be condemned. Romans chapter 8 begins, and it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, which Donnie has already read. This is unshakable confidence that we have in him. What incredible blessings for God's people. Sovereign protection, supreme provision, an ultimate ruling, no condemnation. And then the grand finale, the grand finale in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. In Christ Jesus. Listen to me. Because of God's unending love in Christ for us, our hope of glory is certain. Our hope of glory is certain. And Paul brings out a list of possible realities that can separate us. Tribulation, distress, persecution, studying this week and thinking about our brothers and sisters in Christ in Afghanistan who are going through tribulation and distress and persecution at a level that we have a hard time even fathoming. What incredibly good news it is that we're reading this. Famine, nakedness, this is a lack of adequate food or clothing. Is this evidence maybe that God's love has been separated from you? Danger or sword, the risk or actual experience of God. Can these things separate us from the love of God? Or maybe even better ask, can they be proof that you've been separated from the love of God? And here's what I want you to see in the letter of Romans today. As we live our life and it doesn't always go according to plan. Listen, we are never promised a life void of these realities. We're promised a life of victory in the midst of these realities. In verse 37, this is what he says. He says, no, in all these things. In all these things, 
So if your theology is telling you that God is going to remove you from these things, you're going to be pretty disappointed. Because God doesn't promise he's removing you from all these things. He's saying in these things, you are more than conquerors. You are more than conquerors. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul points us back to the cross, does he not? Look at the love of God on the cross. Look at the love of God on the cross. If there's nothing to separate us from the love of God. And he goes on in, in verses, uh, verses 30, 38. Uh, not any state of being, is, can death or life separate you or any created being, can angels or rulers, any dimension of time, things present, things to come, any dimension of space, any height or depth. And then that kind of one all-encompassing statement, not anything in all of creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So I was trying to think through of a way to illustrate this truth Last night, I was watching college football, and I looked over to the side of uh, television, and somebody was watching it with me and said, what, a, what about those Jenga blocks? So uh, what I brought with me today to illustrate this incredible truth is we have a, a really big Jenga block set that's in our living room. Has anybody, any kids, y'all ever played Jenga before? Um, so I actually got these Jenga blocks, okay? And, and one, one Jenga block represents us, okay? And the other Jenga block represents Christ. And when I started doing this, my wife looked at me and she said, you're ruining our Jenga uh, set. And uh, I said, well, it's for a good cause, okay? It's for a really good cause. Uh, and so uh, I took out uh, some, some wood screws and, and I just nailed them down in there. I mean, I screwed them down in there. And, um, and so my in-laws are in town. It's been great having them here. And so I asked him yesterday, I said, hey, could this illustration go wrong? And my father-in-law told me, he said, you could have a crowbar and that thing's not going to separate. So I feel good about what we're about to do, okay? Uh, but I'm going to invite uh, two uh, guys up here to help me. Uh, one is Brody Taylor and the other is Tommy Hessen. Uh, and they're going to take these. Let's give them a round of applause, okay? Um, they're going to take these two blocks. So you have Christ, you have us, you have four wood screws that represent the love of Christ. Uh, word is from their school that every time they see each other in the hallway, they give each other a chest bump. Uh, we're not going to do that here, okay? No chest bumps on stage. Uh, but I want you guys just to take that and work really hard to separate that, okay? So go ahead, Tommy. Use, yeah, you go. Just get after it. So the, these guys are representing all that could separate us from the love of God, like tribulation. Come on. We need a little bit more effort there. Uh, Distress, persecution, come on, like, get, yeah, all, all your effort into it. Uh, yeah, distress, the sword. Uh, so, yeah, it's not working. It's not working. Now they're, now they're scheming, okay? Uh, these are the ones that give the chest bump in the middle of the hallway. Uh, they're scheming together right now, and it's just not working because nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Thanks so much, guys. Absolutely. Good job. Thank you, man. And that's what I want you to see. Listen, this is, this is the incredible reality, is that there's nothing that can separate us. This is the unshakable truth. This is the unshakable reality for us in Christ Jesus. For those of us who are in Christ Jesus, we cannot be separated from the love of God. Nothing, no circumstance can come this week that's going to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. And so for those of us who are here in Christ, I want you to hear this. All of these blessings are yours in Christ. 
And they provide an unshakable confidence in your life no matter what comes your way. So in conclusion, here's what I want to share with you is that God, this is the reality of Romans chapter 8. Church, God didn't redeem us to abandon us. God, God didn't call us into his family so that he could treat us as orphans. He called us into his family. He redeemed us to restore us and to bring everything necessary into our life, including hardship, including suffering, to prepare us for eternity with him, where we will experience never-ending joy with him. And that leaves us an unshakable confidence in this world, an unshakable confidence in Christ. This is incredible truth from Romans chapter 8. And you know what is so wonderful about Romans chapter 8? Nowhere in here are you going to find a command for something you need to do for God. This is what I love about Romans chapter 8. There is nothing you can look high and low. There's no command for us. It's not, okay, this is good. Great, unshakable confidence. What do I need to do now to get that? No. It's already been done for you. Everything has been done for you. Everything has been done for you in Christ Jesus. There's this unshakable confidence that God has given us, not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ has done with us, what Christ has done for us. This unshakable confidence should lead us and accomplish some things within us, and that's what I want to close in. Number one, you read through Romans chapter 8. This unshakable confidence should light us up in worship. I'm talking about light us up, your entire being. You should be ready to sing songs at the top of your lung because of what Christ has done for us, this unshakable confidence. No matter what happens this week, you have an unshakable confidence, and that should bring us to sing songs with all of our being. I've traveled the world and seen other religions who don't sing songs. Christians should be the ones who are singing songs with joy overflowing from our heart because of what God has done for us in Christ. It should light us up in worship. It should lead us into life together, to commit to doing life together, where we can care for one another with these truths, that, that when we do go through suffering, when we do go through hardship, there's brothers and sisters in our life that can remind us, listen, God is for you. Don't give to despair. Don't give in to depression. Don't give in to these things. God is for you. We need to care for one another in this and grow together to believe these truths to believe these truths in all areas of our life and to be on mission making disciples together. Still two billion people with little to no access to the knowledge that God has provided unshakable confidence in this world. So if you've not yet received the love of God, this unshakable and certain grace of God in your life, I want to invite you to receive it even now that by the grace of God, you would turn to Jesus and receive this good, good news of him. Let's pray together. As we're praying, I want to just spend some time meditating on these words and ask for the worship team to come back up. And when we get done praying, they're going to lead us in a song of worship. 
And before that, I want us to consider all that Christ has done for us. Just in a moment of response to the preaching of God's word, how this reality that we have a sovereign protector, a supreme provider, that God has made the ultimate ruling in our favor, will never be condemned. And because of that, we can face anything. We can face anything in this world because Jesus has faced it and conquered death and the grave. Lord Jesus, we, we just come before you and we thank you for this wonderful news. And we thank you for the good news that there is hope no matter what happens in this life. And it often doesn't go according to our plans, but there's hope. There's hope in Jesus. So would you recalibrate our hearts to this truth? Even as we sing these, this song, we sing these words to you and to one another, would you just align our hearts with these glorious truths? And for anyone in here who is not trusted in you, Jesus, would you draw them into a relationship with you? That by your grace, you would lead them to place their faith and their hope and their trust in Jesus, no matter what age they are. God, as the hymn was written, your love has no limits. Your grace has no measure. Your power has no boundary known unto men. And out of your infinite riches, Jesus, you give and give and give again. And we thank you for that. We praise you, Jesus, for this wonderful news, for this unshakable confidence we have in you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me and let's worship.